0: already been blessed this morning. Amen. So thankful for the emphasis uh, this day on Calvary Baptist Academy and uh, one of the ministries uh, in our church that God is using to grow a generation for Jesus Christ. So we're very thankful for for this day, the emphasis. And in particular, I'm very thankful for the speaker this morning. He is a friend uh, to Leah and myself He and his wife, Lori, we were on staff at Northside Baptist Church in Charleston uh, for about 10 years, Uh, and DJ Harry, Pastor Harry, is a husband, a father, a pastor, and a potter, as you will see in the, uh, the sermon this morning. DJ is the pastor at Needham's Grove Baptist Church, and he and Lori have four children, that are faithfully following after Christ. That is a wonderful blessing. DJ and Lori also enjoy mentoring others in the area of marital um, and parental relationships. DJ and Lori have both been involved in Christian education until the Lord directed them into pastoral ministry. And recently, God has used chosen vessel pottery as a ministry, as a way to minister to churches and schools throughout, uh, throughout, and with custom-made uh, pottery. So this morning, the sermon is uh, has has an illustrative part to it, as you see this morning. And um, for those of you that are on the on the sides here, the wings. Um, if you would like, we'd like to invite you to move over toward the middle. We're not going to count it as a mark against you, but if you would like to, so that you can see this, the, the, the illustration here, um, it won't be a mark against you. If, you. if you want to just right now, just go ahead and stand and move over toward the middle. There's plenty of space right here in these two areas. That way you're able to see and experience the sermon in a very personal way. So um, this morning, it's a privilege uh, to have Pastor. DJ Harry, come and do the sermon this morning. Pastor, come on.
1: I'm going to start by saying two things. First of all, thank you for allowing me the flexibility of not having to wear a suit and a tie for this illustration. It would have not turned out well for any of us, okay? So thank you for that flexibility this morning. Second thing I want to say is, Pastor Alex, man, that's a, that's a big ask. When you ask Baptists to move from their seats... Like, like, listen, our church is the exact same way. In fact, our church is not wide. Our church is narrow and long. And so as I look out on a Sunday morning, there are places that pe- our, our, our whole congregation, there are places that our people sit. Like, they sit the same place every Sunday, the same seats. So I kind of have a good feel on a Sunday morning of who's not here, who's been out of town. Because as I look out of the congregation... I know who's sitting in each sheet, and if there's an empty spot, it's like, I know that family's gone, and I need to pray for them or reach out to them, so that was a pretty big ask this morning. But I will say, as we go into the illustration, if you feel like on the sides you need to move, you're welcome to move at any time. Uh, if you feel like you can see a little bit better, feel free to do that, uh, because we will be doing some illustration up here on the wheel. Like Brother Alex said, my name is DJ Harry. And I pastor Needham's Grove Baptist Church in central North Carolina. Uh, the Lord moved us there eight years ago. I was, the pa- I was an assistant pastor at Northside in Charleston. And Brother Alex and I served together. And we so appreciate their friendship and their ministry there uh, at Northside. And then just being, how, how the Lord has faithfully used them over the years. And uh, then the Lord moved us to Seagrove, which is in the center of the state. And it is the pottery capital of the U.S., uh, it is, we have more active potters there per square mile than any other place in the United States. It is an active pottery community. We have over 45 active potters in our little area, active, active pottery shops in our area, and uh, people that travel from Greensboro and Raleigh and Charlotte uh, to come and to set up shops because it's just a very well-known pottery area. And uh, so the Lord brought my wife and I there eight years ago, and we have always loved pottery. Let me introduce my wife, Lori, if you'd stand for me real quick. This is my wife, Lori, and uh, we've been married for 26 years and the Lord has, uh, she is such a big part of my ministry and, and, and really is a huge help with what we do with pottery uh, down in the, in the basement of the parsonage. That's where our, my pottery shop is, the basement of the parsonage. And uh, eight years ago when the Lord moved us there, um, I... I fell in love with the the pottery people, the pottery community. Um, I've always loved pottery. My wife and I have always uh, liked collecting pottery. And so when we moved there, it was just natural that I would pick up and begin learning. And uh, some ladies, a lady in our church who was a retired potter, uh, gave me a wheel and a kiln, and so I started the process. And over time, I got better and started making mugs for churches and schools, and I realized that that was kind of a unique thing I could do to minister, to, uh, to minister and be a blessing to churches and schools. And so uh, I'm thankful that y'all, many of you have uh, Calvary Baptist Academy coffee mugs. And for the three of you who I made replacement mugs for, and they came out of the kiln this last week and they weren't right, I'm so sorry. I promise you I will get some made as soon as we get home. And, uh, but thank you for your patience in that. Listen, with pottery being such an important part of our community and an important part of our life, it has been such a joy to dig into the the pottery-potter metaphor that we find in Scripture. Uh, Turn with me, if you would, to Jeremiah chapter 18. That's going to be the text we're going to be based out of this morning, but we'll be looking at passages all throughout the Bible because... When we talk about the potter-pottery metaphor, the potter-vessel picture that we see in Scripture, uh, it is one of the more common pictures or metaphors used in the Bible. We don't often think of it because we aren't people that deal with pottery on a day-to-day basis as far as the the making of pottery and, and production of pottery. But to those who lived in Bible times, this was a normal thing. Uh, You know, in in my culture, in in my Seagrove, North Carolina culture, during during sermons I'll often use illustrations of agriculture because we live in a rural farming community. And it makes sense to our people, so I use agricultural illustrations because it, it ties in and it helps them to understand what God's Word is saying. Well, in the Bible we use this pottery metaphor a lot Because in the Scriptures, in Bible times, they would have understood everything that was being said there. Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. I want to encourage you with something this morning as we look at this in Scripture I don't want us to miss what God is asking Jeremiah to do. He says, go to the potter's house. And and you're going to see some things, Jeremiah, while you're there. You're going to visualize. I invite you today to come to the potter's house. We're We're going to visualize some things here, but don't miss the point. The point is that God says to Jeremiah, I want you to hear my words. Jeremiah, I have a message for you. Jeremiah, I have something from my word, something from this illustration that I'm going to teach you and I want you to learn. And so, my encouragement to you this morning is while we're going to be talking about and doing some things that are unique, and maybe you've seen this before, maybe you've not, my encouragement to you is don't miss the message that God is going to be speaking to your heart today. I believe with all my heart that as we look in God's word and as we begin to unpack the picture of the potter and the potter's house, God is going to use this in some way, shape, or form to speak to your heart. Because it's His Word. And God promises in the book of Isaiah that His Word will not return void. In fact, we'll look at that verse in a little bit. God's Word will not return void. So today, let God do in your heart what He wants to do. Hear His words. Hear His words. And keep your Bibles open. In just a minute, we're going to be back in Jeremiah 18. But... As Jeremiah went to the potter's house, he would have seen some things very similar that you would see if you came to my potter's house, to to the basement of the parsonage there at Needham's Grove. Pottery really hasn't changed over the years. It's it's practically the same. Uh, You would see clay in different stages of of production or... uh, Y'all did not know this, but I came in this morning about 8.15 and I had to wedge the clay and I had to prepare the clay and get it ready uh, for the the demonstration illustration today. Uh, You would have pots in different stages of development. You'll see me make a few pots on the wheel today, but here you have some, some pots that are waiting to be glazed. They've been fired once, but they haven't been glazed yet. Then you'll see some pieces in a potter's house of... Uh, some pieces that have been glazed and are maybe ready to be cleaned and to be used. Uh, I, I appreciate a friend of mine, Matthew Kelly, this, this piece and these pieces over on the other side. Um, Matthew is a, a wood-fired potter in Seagrove, North Carolina. He is a dear Christian friend, and uh, so I help him when he fires his wood kiln, and then I try to pick out some pieces that I can purchase before anybody else does. And uh, these are some pieces of Matthew's And I love them because it illustrates the the beauty of wood-fired pottery. This is is what Jeremiah would have been doing in his day. This is what Jeremiah would have seen. Pieces that were in a kiln and the natural ash just creates this beautiful glaze and the color. And so I wanted to bring these pieces today to help you see. This is the coloration that you would find on natural wood-fired pottery. You would probably find some pieces of pottery that were broken Jeremiah probably saw that when he went to the potter's house. Some pieces that, that, that did not cooperate and they had been tossed aside. Maybe there was clay in different stages of being recycled as the potter will take pieces of clay, uh, vessels that are not quite ready to be used and they're, they're not quite what he wanted and so he collapses the clay and he's recycling it and he's reusing it. And you would see all of that. The only difference with what Jeremiah would have seen then what you're seeing today is the wheel that Jeremiah would have seen at the potter's house would have been a giant stone wheel, probably with someone with a a stick kind of spinning that wheel around and then the potter throwing on that wheel. And and, uh, so instead of asking someone to come up today and spin a big stone wheel, I decided to bring my electric wheel and a little bit easier for you and for me as well. But that's the only difference. It's the only difference. So as Jeremiah goes to the potter's house and God says, I want you to hear my words, please understand the message that God gives through his word about this metaphor is very real. There's there's a purpose that God uses this. I don't know if you have ever seen someone throw a piece of pottery, but I I want us to make some. I'm going to make something on the wheel here at the beginning, and then we'll make something at the end, and then there's some illustrations throughout as we study God's word, but to help you be able to sort of see and understand the process, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some clay. In fact, I came in this morning, and I've already centered uh, a few pieces of clay on some bats and got them ready. And uh, I'm going to go ahead in just a moment, and I'm going to throw a, a piece. And, and I'll just warn you, you know, that the illustration of God being the master potter is a great illustration. The problem is there's no such thing as a human potter that's perfect. And uh, it is possible, I'm just going to warn you in advance, it is possible that I could get into this piece of clay and I could realize there's an air bubble or there's something and and it doesn't turn out how I want. Because, Because I'm just a human potter. I'm not the master potter. But there is a master potter that is perfect in all that he does. And as we put our lives on the wheel, you can trust that the touch of the master potter is always perfect. It's exactly what you need. He never makes a mistake. I'd like you to watch as uh, Leah and Olivia are going to come sing a song about the the Master Potter. As they sing, I want you to watch. I want you to, to sort of join with me as we connect with this clay. And I want you to notice the wheel. I want you to watch my hands. I want you to watch the tools that I use. I want you to notice the process, and and all of those things are important because they teach us incredible truths about us being on the wheel and God being the master potter. So I invite you to watch, and we'll try to get a pot done here as, uh, as Olivia and Leah sing for us. On there to make it look nice. So it's a process. You take a piece of clay that is relatively worthless, it's not not really worth a whole lot, it's just dirt. And you take that piece of clay and you put it on a wheel, and you take some time and some effort, and you're able to take that clay and to turn it into something that's usable. It's a process. It's a process that the Bible describes often. In fact, it's a process that that we are all a part of. You know, when we looked at the potter's house and we talked about the things that are there, the first thing that you would find in the potter's house is you would find the clay. Uh, We have clay in different stages here. I've talked about that a second ago, but um, clay is just dirt. It's just dirt. In fact, one of the reasons why Seagrove pottery was, was developed so many years ago is because we have a natural... Uh, natural resource of clay there in the central North Carolina, and so that 's where that 's where the potters developed that 's where they landed because the clay was there, but we're just we 're just clay. The Bible tells us in the book of Genesis chapter one, and the Lord God formed man out of the dust of ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Do you realize that that very verse actually has a pottery inference in it the The word formed there in the Hebrew is the root word that we get the word potter from in the Old Testament. The Lord God formed. As a potter forms a piece of clay, the Lord God formed man out of the dust of ground, and then he breathed into him the breath of life. We are just dust. We're just clay. It's it's not about the clay. It's about what the potter can do with the clay. It's not about the the dirt itself, which is all this is. It's about what, what happens to that in the hands of the potter. You probably noticed a few things. You saw the wheel spinning. Uh, let me just ask, what, what were some things that you saw? And I don't know, I, in our church I like to have some interaction on things like this. So you, feel free to just yell out. if you. What are some things you noticed, teenagers, y'all jump in too, okay? What were some things you noticed as you were watching? Help me out. Lots of water. Okay, what, what was that? Lots of water. Lots of water. Yeah, water is a necessary part of pottery. We'll talk about water in a little bit. Uh, but that's a that's one of those things that you're gonna you're gonna have to use a necessary part of pottery. Yeah. What else did you see? Constantly shaping. Constantly shaping. The hands never left the clay. Yeah, there's a constant process. And if if in fact if I were to spin this wheel and just leave it here spinning, what's going to happen? Nothing. It's it's all about the potter. It's not about the clay. The clay's not doing anything of itself. It's the potter doing it to the clay. Did you notice? Did you notice that I used a few different tools as I was as I was forming the clay? Sometimes God uses different tools or different people to influence our life. God uses through His hands different circumstances to mold us or shape us. Uh, you probably noticed that sometimes the wheel was going a little faster, a little slower. You probably noticed that my attention was close on this wheel. Like there, there is an intent, de- an attention to the clay that the potter has when he is working with the clay on the wheel. Well, what I'd like us to do is go back to Jeremiah chapter 18, and I want us to look at Jeremiah's, the the word that the the Lord gives to Jeremiah. Chapter 18, verse number 4, or verse number 3, Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel, asking good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, "O house of Israel, cannot I do unto you as this potter? As clay is the hand," saith the Lord, "as the hand as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel." The message that God gives to Jeremiah at the potter's house was not a message about the beauty of the finished piece. The message was not about how wonderful and how how gorgeous and how how lovely it would be to have a piece like this sitting in your home. The message that that God gave to Jeremiah was, Jeremiah, as the clay is on the wheel and often can be damaged or destroyed or marred, the potter has the power to make another piece. The potter has the power to destroy that and to start over. That's a very powerful message. When we think about us being on the wheel and God as the master potter, we always are thinking about the end result, right? We're thinking about, Lord, make me something like this. Or, Lord, I want to I be useful in the church. Or, Lord, I want to I have a great impact. We think about the end results. God's not thinking about the end results. God's thinking about the process. How is He going to get you there? That's powerful. Because in our our eyes, when we're only thinking about the end goal, we forget that it's it's the process that God uses to get us there that makes us into what God wants. See, when we're focused on the end goal, we're we're focused on what we want. When we're focused on the process, it's, God, what do you want? And often in our lives, the, the process can get messy. Process is not easy. Read that verse again. Uh, Notice what it says in verse number four. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hands of the potter. It didn't turn out how he expected. You know, there are times as a potter that I get into a piece of clay and it just doesn't turn out how I expect. And I have learned over time. I, I used to I used to fight the clay. I'd have a piece of clay that had some dirt in it or some sand or a little piece of rock or it had an air bubble or it had a, an inc- a part of the clay that was harder than the rest and it was inconsistent and I used to fight the clay and I would work and I'm like, I can save this piece. I, I felt like I was an a in, a inadequate potter if I couldn't make the clay do what I wanted it to do. And do you know what I learned from scripture as a potter? Sometimes the potter has to set the clay aside and said, not today. If the potter, if the clay's not ready, if the clay's not willing, if the clay is not, if it's just not turning out as the potter expected, sometimes the potter says, you know what, it's time to recycle this clay. I recycle all of my clay scraps in my studio. Uh, any, any of this t- today that I use or pieces that are broken or scraps that come up, I put them in a bucket, let them dry, and I recycle that clay and I use it again. The message of Jeremiah is there is always Because God, the the vessel was marred, but God wasn't done with the vessel. Notice what it says, the the vessel was marred in the hand of the potter. Notice what it says, so he made it again another vessel, as good to the potter to make it. There's hope. No matter where you are in this process today, there's hope. I I want us to step back and look at this process and analyze it from Scripture. And I want us to see that no matter where you are in the process there is hope. So let me take this, let me take this off and uh, I'm going to set this over here and I'll try not to, try not to make too big of a mess if possible. I've got some plastic to try to keep some things kind of organized. So we'll put this over here on some plastic and uh, let me grab this towel. I'm going to be wiping my hands a lot today because I don't want to get clay everywhere. Pottery is a very messy business. Um, I recently had some people that came to visit the house and she said, oh, I'm so looking forward to seeing your pottery studio. I'm sure it is so clean and organized. I said, yeah, no, it's not. It, pottery is a messy business. There's clay everywhere and, and slip gets everywhere and there's dust everywhere. And, um, and so I'll do my best to try to keep that down today. But I, I brought, I have two pieces of clay and, uh, obviously one is bigger than the other. Okay, so apart from that, and it's a little bit different color, can anybody tell the difference between these two? These are actually out of the same bag of clay. Can anybody tell the difference between these two? Anybody want to take a guess? One's hard, okay? One's hard. So this piece of clay has been kept under plastic, and it's moist, and it's usable. It's pliable, I, as the, bot, as the potter, can take this piece, and in just a minute, we're going to make something out of it because it is, it is a pliable piece of clay. But this, this piece of clay is a little bit different. Out of the same bag, I took it out a few days ago. I took it upstairs. Thankfully, my wife allowed me to put it in the oven, so I kind of was able to dry it out. And I've had it sitting in our car, and it was sitting up in the prophet's chamber last night, and it was sitting here. Uh, so, so this is a piece of dry clay. Same clay, but this is not usable. It's hard. It's dry. If I were to put this on the wheel, it would roll around, knock around, it would make a mess because it's, it's, it's you can't... I as a potter, no matter what I want to try, I cannot make anything out of this piece of clay because it is hardened and refuses to be used. Now, two quick things about that. First of all, there is hope. I can take this clay, in fact, at some point I probably will take this hardened lump of clay, I'll put it in a bucket, I'll add some water, and over time it will turn into softened clay again. It can be used again. There is hope. But the second thing that I think we need to see about clay like this is as long as it stays hard, and as long as it is impervious to water, as long as it doesn't receive that, that moistening, this clay is worthless useless you know sometimes in our Christians lives we go through periods of time where 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 we are dry we feel dry we feel like we're in a desert land and and often I'm not I'm not saying all the times but often those are times of our own doing because we've not invested the time that we should in God's word I, I realize David went through a period of time where he felt like he was in a parched and dry land and his soul was longing after God it was it was a disp- Point of despondency. The, the, the verse in Psalm, I don't remember the reference where David says, As a deer panteth after the water, so my soul longeth after thee. That is not a cry of refreshment. That is a cry of a heart that is parched and dry. God, I'm longing for you. And maybe you're at that point. Can I tell you there's hope? And that hope comes when we are, that, 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 that hope comes when we are willing to put ourselves back under the nourishment of God's word. It's going to take some investment on your part some time in God's Word and studying God's Word and letting the Word of God nourish you and refresh you. So that's one type of clay. Let's let's look at another process, another part of the process. And obviously, you notice the water. We'll talk about that in just a second. But let's take this other piece of clay. These are all, I think, three-pound balls of clay that I'm using today. And, uh, And let's get this on the wheel here. You always put a little bit of water on so that it sticks towel again. Put it over on this side. And uh, and then you have to... Oh, Does anybody know why it's called throwing pottery? Have you ever heard that phrase, throwing pottery? Ready? Here it is. Ready? That's why. You throw the clay on the wheel. That's the only part of pottery where you actually throw the clay. Believe me, once you make it, you're not throwing it anywhere, okay? Maybe if it gets cracked, you feel like throwing it. But that's throwing pottery right there. So you can have handmade pottery or slab-built pottery, but throwing pottery is, is on a wheel, and uh, obviously the wheel has to be spinning. So I'm going to get this kind of centered a little bit before I get started. And uh, I'm going to add a little bit of water. And uh, the centering process, which I didn't do this on, on that piece because it, it's a, it takes a little bit of time and it's not the funnest to watch, but, but if you've ever done pottery, you'll know that this is the most important part of pottery. It's the hardest to learn, taking that piece of clay and centering it on the wheel. If if you take a piece of pottery and try to make something out of it when it's not centered, there is a 100% chance of failure. I'm telling you, 100%. Uh, Are there, I've got to ask, are there any potters in here today? Any potters? Okay, anybody who has taken, good. Are there anybody who's taken a pottery class before? Raise your hand really high. Good. Okay, a number of you have. Okay. You know, centering centering the clay is not easy. Like it's the hardest part to learn, Um, and it takes time. And you have to get that clay perfectly centered on the wheel, because if you don't, it is not gonna. It is a one hundred percent chance of failure. Okay, so we have a piece that is centered. Okay, centered on the centered on the wheel. The Bible says in Galatians two, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth. What's the next word? Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live, I live in the flesh by the faith of the Son of God who, who loved me and gave himself for me. A life that is centered on Christ is a necessary part of growing in spiritual maturity. If we want to be a vessel that God can use, we have to be centered on him. It's not on, it's not on the, 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 the lust of the world and the lust of the flesh and the pride of, the, a pride of life or... All the other things in this world that want to take our attention. And let me tell you, there are a lot of of good things. There are a lot of good things that this world wants to put in front of you and to to take your life off of center. Uh, If you want to be a usable vessel, if if when you are 30, 40, 50, you can look back and and, and be thankful that God did a miraculous work in you and He has accomplished exactly what He wanted, it, it means that we have to be centered. Our life has to be centered on Him. What happens if we have a life that's not centered on Him? Well, I've I have centered this clay. You saw the process, but let's let's just for a second let's uncenter this clay. Okay, so let's take this and let's just push it off to the side just a little bit. Okay, now it's 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 mostly centered. Uh, I tell you what, when you when you are first learning pottery, one of the one of the biggest um, temptations. When you're centering to clay, is to say that's good enough. That's good enough. You know, uh, it's it's good enough. I can I can make something from that. It's, it's it's close enough. And you know, when you take a piece of pottery that's sort of centered, I can I can start the process. I can push down in the middle, and uh, we can go ahead and add a little water. We can start pulling the walls out, and. Um, things look like they're going great. Like, I mean, you know what? I, listen, I've made it through a couple of years of, of being a Christian and being a believer, or I've made it through a couple of years of marriage, or, you know, our kids are growing up and everything seems okay so far, right? Like a life that's not centered on the Lord, often the consequences don't happen immediately. Uh, I can't tell you the number of times I have counseled husbands and wives or parents in my office who, who have gotten to this point. Ready? Here's the point they are at. They had, a, they had a family that was not centered on the Lord. They were sort of centered. They came to church every once in a while. They, they sort of spent some time in God's Word. But they started growing their family and it started maturing. And you know, it's like, well, this is fine. This is okay. See, Pastor Harry, it's not too important that we're centered on Christ. But like I said, if you start with a pot that is not centered, it is a 100% guarantee of failure. Because eventually as you're pulling this pot, you're going to reach a point where the wall gets too thin on one point and as you as you as you do it collapses. But because this side was thicker than this side because it was not centered. It wasn't centered, 100% guarantee of failure. And here's what happens, ready? This is the point where your pastor gets a phone call and says, Pastor, we need counseling. Pastor, help, help me put it back together. Pastor, my, fam- my family's falling apart. And, 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 and our vessel isn't what we want it to be. Pastor, our, our marriage is struggling. Can, and, and, and at that point, once you've gotten to the point where your family is falling apart and your life is falling apart, is there hope? Yes. There is hope. And, and I can say in the times that I've counseled families that have gotten to this point, the only families that make it are the ones that are willing to take the clay off the wheel. Say, God, I'm going to start, start from square one. I'm going to start from the basics. And Lord, you're going to grow us into the family you want. See, if you want to just patch it up and you just want to fix it, I mean, is it a vessel? Help me out. Is that a vessel? Anybody want to buy that after church? Okay, no, nobody, Nobody's going to be interested in that vessel. That's, this is not going to become the centerpiece of my next pottery demonstration. Nobody's, nobody's excited about this vessel. It's a vessel, but it's marred. And it's marred because it wasn't centered, because it wasn't focused on Christ. Hey, parents, can I encourage you with something? What, what, does, the, what does a centered family look like? Let me, let me tell you what a centered family looks like. Deuteronomy chapter 6, you, you will recognize this passage. It's often called, in, Hebrew, in, in, in Jewish culture, it's called the Shema. It's a prayer. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 7. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. It's a wonderful passage. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and with all thy might. And the words which I command me this day, thou shalt hide in thy heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Thou shalt talk of them. Well, I get just emotional just thinking about this, because this is such a powerful command to parents. Thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest by the way, and when thou risest up, and when thou liest down. Parents, this is a command to believers, to you. And God's telling His people, if you want to have a life that's centered around me, it can't just be when you walk into the doors of this church. Congregation, a life centered around Christ, isn't just because you send your kids to a Christian school. Or, or adults, because you go off to a Christian college. Or because you, you wear the name of Christ. A life centered around Christ is when you, are walk, when, you, when you are sitting down and when you are rising up and when you are lying down and when you're walking by the way. Every part of your life has to be centered on Christ. And parents, can I tell you, if, if your life is only centered on Christ on one of those, your kids are going to be drawn to the other three. If when you walk in these doors, life is centered on Christ, but when you go home, life is centered on self, and life is centered on money, and life is centered on accomplishments, your children will not be attracted to this. They'll be attracted to that. So be consistent. Let your life be centered on Christ. Because a life that is not centered on Christ is going to end 100%. And it may not happen today. And it may be a couple of years from now. But there's a 100% chance of destruction. It's, it is not going to succeed because it is not centered on Christ. All right, let's take another piece of clay. And uh, so we've got, we've got two over here that have not turned out well. We've got one that was good Let's let's get another piece of clay here, and let's let's look at another example. And uh, so, I'll try to get this one centered up as quickly as we can. Brother Alex, I don't have my phone on me, and I don't have my watch. What time is it? Or for the Jeremiah, eleven thirty-four. Okay, y'all normally get out at twelve thirty, right? <laughs> okay, okay. All right. So, let's take another piece of clay, and we'll. We'll get it down here, and we'll try to get this one centered up as quickly as we can. And uh, so we take this piece of clay, we put it on the wheel, and so maybe your life is centered on Christ, and you have, you have dedicated your life to Him, you gave your life to Christ in salvation, and you are in God's Word, and you're reading God's Word, and you say, Lord, whatever you want for me, that's what I want. So a life that is centered on Christ, Okay? So now let's bring this down and we'll get this ready to make something. Now imagine if you were the clay right now. If you were on the wheel spinning around and the potter is applying pressure and he's pushing and the, the, the potter even, even says, you know, now that it's time to make something, I'm going I'm to push down really hard. And you know, Isn't that what the Lord tends to do for us? He finds the one tender spot the, the one spot that seems the most painful, and God says, you know what? That's where I'm going to apply the pressure. And if, if you were the clay right now, you might be saying, But Lord, that really hurts. Lord, that, that's the one area of my life I don't want you to touch. Lord, that's the one, that's the one part of my life that that I'm the most, that i that I want to hold on to, or that's the part of my life that, that I can't seem to let go. And God says, you know what? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not done. I'm going to keep applying pressure there. And so we maybe get to the point as a believer that we say, God, I can't handle the pressure. I can't handle the pain. Lord, can you just slow the wheel down a little bit? Lord, can you slow it down more? Lord, Lord, I, I, I can't handle the changes that you're trying to make in my life. So God, God I would prefer, I'm, on, I'm centered, I'm on the wheel, but Lord, can we just stop right there for a little bit? Now, if we were to sit here for five minutes, ten minutes, or an hour, this this clay is sitting on the wheel, and guess what would happen if it sat here and nothing and it was not spinning? Nothing would happen. Nothing would happen. See, the the Christian life demands movement, It's it's a race. Paul tells us in the book of Hebrews. Uh, wherefore, seeing your compassion about so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us, what is the next word? Let us what? Run. Run with patience the race that is set before us. The Christian life is a race. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, Know ye not that they which run in a race run to receive a prize? He says, They, they run all and they run to receive a prize, so run that ye may obtain. It, it, running's not fun. Running's difficult. Running in a marathon or running in a race is not easy, but it's a necessary part. The training's a necessary part. And as a Christian, we can be on the wheel, but we say, God, just stop right there. And I've seen many Christians in my life, and I dare say many of you have have either seen this or experienced it, a Christian that was on the wheel at one point and was growing and God was using and God was developing, but when things got tough, they said, you know what, I'm just going to stop right there. I need to take a break from this Christian life. I need to take a break from what God is doing. Maybe they disconnect from church. They disconnect from their Bible. They begin to disconnect from spiritual things, and they just sit right there, and God God can't do anything if you're not willing to be on the wheel and growing. You've got to risk it. Christians, you have to say, Lord, I know the, the, being on the wheel is painful. I know being on the wheel is not comfortable. Lord, I know that, that you're going to apply pressure, and Lord, that you're going to stretch me and change me. But Lord, I'm willing to do that to become the vessel that you want me to be. And if we disconnect, nothing happens. Uh, but I can also say this, sometimes, sometimes we get ahead of ourselves. We want to go too fast. We love the excitement and the energy of of being in a church and being engaged and being involved. I dare say maybe you have seen this as well. A Christian that comes to know the Lord, and, and without, without someone mentoring them or guiding them, it is all in, all 100% forward, and, and they move too fast in their spiritual walk, and they don't develop a foundation of truth and a foundation of faith. And it doesn't take too long that that building becomes top-heavy and it begins to topple. And you see a Christian that after two or three years, they, they fall away from faith, maybe even from God Himself. They just they walk away from their faith because they, they did not grow a strong foundation. That's why Peter tells us in 2 Peter 1 that we are to add to our faith virtue, and to, faith, to our virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to take patience brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness godliness, and to godliness charity. It's a progression of faith. And you know, Peter, if anybody had the right to say that, Peter did. You remember when God called Peter and he said, Peter, follow me? What, what was Peter? He was a fisherman. He was a nobody. He was, he was a harsh man, rough around the edges, and God said, Peter, follow me. What, was that it for Peter had he arrived? Was Peter the perfect disciple at that point? No, Peter Peter had to to go through his own times of struggle and his own growth. The Lord said to Peter, Peter, whom do men say that I am? And he answered that. Finally, he said, so Peter, whom do you say say that I am? And Peter says, thou art the Christ. And if you read the next verse in the book of Mark, the Bible, Mark says, and at that point, Jesus began to teach and to preach to them, the the disciples, all that must happen. He had to go to Jerusalem... He would have to be be arrested and persecuted, and he would die at the hands of the Pharisees. And what was Peter's response? He said, not so, Lord. And Jesus said, get thou behind me, Satan. Do you remember that passage? That all happened in the same story. Do you think Peter had arrived when he said, thou art the Christ? One of the most wonderful pronouncements of Christ's deity? No, he he hadn't arrived, because he turned right around and he questioned the plan that God had for Christ's life. Uh, Peter says, Lord, though everyone else will forsake you, I will not forsake you. And Jesus said, before the cock crows three times, you'll deny me. You're going to deny me. But isn't it wonderful that at the end of Peter's life, we see Peter miraculously and wonderfully used at Pentecost as he stands and preaches And thousands of people come to know Jesus Christ and come to faith. And then Peter boldly stands before those that had just arrested him the previous day. And he said, all I can do is preach the gospel. And Peter becomes this foundational figure in the growth of the early church. And it's because God told Peter, slow down. Slow down. I want you to be used. Sometimes as a Christian we have to slow down and, and, and let God do it in His timing. In the book of, of 1 King, Kings chapter 19, uh, God is speaking to Elijah. And, and the, voice, the voice of God comes to Elijah, I'm paraphrasing this first part, and Elijah goes out, and, 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 a, and a great wind, and it blew over the mountain, and it break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. And the Bible says, and the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. And the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. And the Lord was not in the fire. But after the fire, a still small voice. See, we we see the earthquake and the fire and the wind of ministry. And we're like, oh Lord, it's exciting. I want to grow fast as I can, fast as I can. And sometimes God says, just be patient. Listen to the still small voice of the Lord. Sometimes that's where God can grow us the most when we do that. Hey, we're going we're to take, take this vessel and we're now going to take it to completion, okay? You know we've centered this clay. It was centered on, it was, it's a life that's centered on Christ. and so uh, as, as, a, as a Christian should be, it's focused on the Lord. We have a, a piece of clay that uh, is now accepting the will of the Father as it pushes. And then, and then maybe maybe as you mature, you come to a poise, point in your life, where the Lord begins to stretch you out. We we take this piece of clay, and now I've I've, I've put a hole down at the bottom that's going to sort of form the the inside of the pot, but now it's time to to pull the clay outward, to stretch it. So I have to to begin applying some pressure. I always make sure there's plenty of water, and then I apply pressure outward, and the Lord begins to stretch us, to mold us into, into what He wants us to be. You know, there's a a time in our life and ministry when God begins to stretch us and He asks us to do things that we are not prepared to do or we we are not willing to do. God says, trust me. I'm, I'm asking you to do something that I will equip you to do and I will form you to do, but you have to trust the will of the potter. And He stretches us. It's possible right now that the Lord is stretching you to do something beyond what you feel you can do. And can I tell you, that's a great place to be. It's a great place to be. Because when we think we can accomplish it, we, we, now are, we think it's all about the clay, right? Like if, if I think as the clay, I can accomplish all that I want, then it's about me, it's about the clay. But it's not, it's about the potter, the master potter, God who says, trust me, I will not stretch you beyond what you can handle. He knows exa- I, I already know what I want this to be. I already know what I need to do to make it. The clay doesn't know. The clay, doesn't, the clay has no idea if I'm going to make it into a vase or a bowl. It doesn't know. I know, so it takes some stretching, and the, the, the clay has to say, okay, Lord, you're stretching me. For some of you, that stretching may be uh, you're, you're, you're teaching a class, talking about the school. You're teaching a class that you weren't prepared, or you weren't ready to teach, and, and you're having to step into a role that you weren't prepared to step into. Maybe you're a Sunday school teacher and you're, 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 you're being challenged, you're in God's Word and at some point you were not comfortable teaching and yet God is saying, I want you to trust me and let me stretch you to, to do this. Maybe maybe it is an unsaved coworker that the Holy Spirit has been tapping on your shoulder saying, I, I, want you to, I want you to share your faith with this person. Share your faith. Talk about me, talk about the Lord. You say, but Lord, I'm not. God says, it's time to stretch you. It's time to make you comfortable. It's time to make things normal in your life that may not feel normal, but it's necessary if you want to be the vessel that I want you to be. So He stretches us. And then then it's time for us to mature a little bit. And maybe the Lord starts pulling upwards. And I I could... do another demonstration, illustration here, and I want where I try to make this piece of clay, this piece of pottery, without using water. I remember earlier, someone back here said, we used a lot of water. Clay Pottery uses a lot of water. You know, water represents a lot of things in Scripture, and it's a necessary component of making a vessel. Uh, in John chapter 4, Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, and He tells her, He said, if you only knew who I was... Then you would not be offering me water, you would be asking water of me. Because the water that I give unto you, it is water that will make it so you will never thirst. It's the living water. I'm so thankful for the living water that we have in Jesus Christ. But uh, another, another, another picture of water that we find in Scripture is found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 55. The Bible says, as the rain falls down from heaven, as the rain and the snow fall down from heaven. And they return not thither, but they water the earth and make it that it bring forth in bud. So shall my word be. God says, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I that which I please. The, the word of God, God's word, is, is something that is a necessary component of the maturing Christian walk. See, if we try to make this, this vessel, and I were to put the sponge down, and I were not to use any water... It would work for a short time, but eventually the harshness of the clay and the the, the dryness of the clay would come through this outer surface that's wet and eventually the clay would would begin to warp and deform and it would end up just like that piece right there. It's 100% chance of failure if you make a piece of pottery without water. It's not going to work. You can't do it. It requires water. To become a a vessel that God wants, it requires the water of the Word. You've got to be in God's Word. You've got to let God's Word soothe you and come around you. In fact, here's what often happens in my life. The the, the parts of my life that are dry, I'm going to dry this off here. The parts in our lives that are dry uh, and... and, and, There we go, completely dry clay there, okay? All the water's gone. The parts of our lives that are dry... When we come in contact with other people, it becomes abrasive and hard, and God tries to mold us and shape us, and it just doesn't work. But here's what's beautiful. When we take the water of the Word, ready? Take the water of the Word, let it coat that clay. It hasn't changed the clay. But do you know what that, that, water, that Word has done? It has made it so that the clay is protected inside the beauty and the wonder and the glory of that water. And so, and so as I work with this clay, it becomes moldable and shapeable because of the moisture that's on the surface. You know, as a Christian, God's Word not only changes who we are from the inside, but God, God's Word makes it so that He can use us and He can mold us. I mean, how else can we, how else can we say that God is going to mold us and shape us, other than we are in the divine revelation that God has given to us. That's, it, God's Word is His divine revelation. It's His words to man. So when we're in God's Word, it allows it so that the, the master potter can, can mold us and shape us and can make us into exactly what He wants to be. So let's, let's add a little bit more pressure. And let's, uh, let's get this up into an almost mature pot here. We're going to get close to it. And uh, this, is a, this is a little bit smaller piece of clay than the very first one, so that's why it's a little bit smaller, smaller vessel that we're going to make. I, I, maybe you noticed something. That the, 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 the smaller the piece was, the more aggressive the touch. When I was centering the clay, did you see how I was having to almost muscle that clay into position? But when we get to this point, do you notice how the touch of the potter becomes very light and very delicate? When you become a mature Christian, it doesn't take much for the Lord to be able to tap on your shoulder and say, hey, there's something in your life you need to change. And we, we listen. And we, and we are sensitive to the Lord speaking in our heart. That is a mark of spiritual maturity. If the Lord is having to muscle you around to get your attention, then that's a problem. A mark of spiritual maturity is that the Lord has His has his hands on the clay and it begins to respond to the potter's touch. In fact, at this point, the touches that I make to this piece of clay are very minimal. I don't have to push very hard at all. On the inside, I've got a little bit of pressure. On the outside, a little bit of pressure. And as I pull up, it doesn't take much pressure at all in order for that clay to respond for me to make it what it wants it to be. Maybe you're thinking, well, I, I felt more comfortable when when the Lord was, was doing a lot in my life. I felt more comfortable when the Lord had His hands all on me and was moving me. But actually, as a Christian, we get to this point and we can begin trusting in the Lord a little bit more. The book of Matthew, chapter 6, Jesus says, And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed as one of these... It, it, Jesus goes on, He says, so, so why are you concerned about your raiment and your clothing? If God so clothed the, gla- the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more shall He clothe ye, O oh ye of little faith? Jesus' promise to us is that, listen, trust Me. Trust that I'm going to take care of you. Trust that I'm going to form you into exactly what I want you to be. And as we trust, as we mature in our trust... The hands of the potter get a little bit lighter, and we're getting maybe we're getting closer. And you know, at this point, we get excited, right? It's like, oh Lord, I'm I'm finally turning into what you want me to be. Maybe maybe God has uh, let me let me get this uh, other tool down here. We'll do some cleanup on the bottom, and and maybe as God begins to clean off the 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 clay that is unnecessary, and you you can tell that God is beginning to shape and mold you. And uh, it's like, Lord, you're, you're, you're turning me into something beautiful. And Lord, I, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm going to be, I know what I'm going to be, Lord. I'm going to be a vase, a beautiful vase that you can use. And Lord, that, that you can put beautiful flowers in me and that I can, I can lift up and elevate your name in the church. Lord, that's exactly what you want me to be. And then all of a sudden, when we get to that point in our spiritual life, we start taking our eyes off of the potter and our, hands are back on the, our eyes are back on the clay, right? When I say that, Lord, I'm so thankful that you have made me into what you want me to be, do you realize the focus on that now turns back to us? But we're just the clay. When our focus should be on what the potter wants for us. Now, you didn't know this, but I knew this, that when I was making this piece and I started this piece, As the potter, it's it's my prerogative as to what I want it to become. Maybe, Maybe as I was shaping this and forming this and it was getting taller, maybe you were thinking, oh, it's going to be a vase. Maybe the clay, if it had a mind of its own, was thinking, oh, I'm going to be a vase, I'm so excited. Maybe I get to be a beautiful vase that goes into a wood kiln and comes out all decorated. Lord, then your glory will be seen through me when I get to be what I think you want me to be. And it's often in those times in our life that God says, don't forget, you're just the clay. And in one moment, one phone call, in a, in a point of time when you think things are going well, the potter reaches down and he says, I don't, I don't want you to be that. You, you, that. That's not what I thought you were going to be. In fact, maybe the potter says, it's time to cut away some of the clay that was extra that you thought you needed, but is not necessary for you to be what I want you to be. And so the potter takes the hand, the the vessel that was marred in the potter's hand, and he begins to make it anew, something else, a a piece that is fitting for the potter, that seems right to the potter. What I just illustrated, I, I I say this soberly, because I'm a pastor... And I have many times said things like this from the pulpit, and, and, and I, I live this out throughout the week. Our people live this out. So I say this soberly. What we just illustrated could happen to someone here this week. You went to the doctor a week ago, and the doctor said, hey, I'm going to run some tests. I think it's all fine. You're, you're okay. But I'll, I'll give you a call on Tuesday. And on Tuesday, the doctor calls, and he says, hey, I have, I have some bad news for you. That test that I just ran, um, I was really testing for cancer, and I didn't think that it was, so I didn't say anything. But I, I hate to tell you, but you got you've got stage three or stage four cancer. And and what you thought was a vessel that was almost finished, God says I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna destroy part of that, and I'm gonna make you into something different. But I'm gonna make you into something beautiful. And see, when we get our eyes on ourselves and we get our eyes off the Lord, we think, "Well, God is done with us," and 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 God is, God has made me into exactly what I thought he, think He wants me to be. But maybe God says, "You know what? It's time for me to cut away some of the parts of your life that are unnecessary, some of the parts that are of your life that are keeping you from really being what I want you to be." And and as the Potter does in Jeremiah, He takes that piece of clay. And he makes it again into another vessel as seemed fitting for the potter to make it. And so maybe God says, you know what, instead of being, instead of being a beautiful vase, I I want you to be something very simple. You're not going to be decorated beautifully. You're not going to be ornate. You're not going to have a handle. You're not going to have a spout. You're just going to have a simple glaze so that you're functional. And I want you to, be, to become a bowl. Not a big centerpiece bowl. I just want you to become... I just want you to become a usable piece of pottery. And maybe God is most glorified in your life when He takes away... All of the things that we think are necessary. And God says, I just want you to serve me. And through your service, I am most glorified. Right. I think about people in my congregation who have gone through things like this. And uh, I'll mention one. His name is uh, his name's Jerry Bean. Jerry Bean was the uh, chairman of our pulpit committee when the Lord brought us to Seagrove. And uh, Jerry was the one that I had a chance to talk to the most and really get to know about our church before the Lord brought us to Needham's Grove. And uh, the Lord had directed our steps to come to Needham's Grove, and we knew that's where God was taking us. And I had candidated, I had visited, and... and. Uh, And at the point that the church voted for us to come, and we were saying our our farewells to Northside and to our friends there. And um, a couple of weeks later, I got a call from Jerry. And uh, Jerry said, DJ, I've got some some news to tell you. He said, but but the Lord's in control. He says, I've been diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. And um, he said, but you know what? He said, we're just trusting in the Lord. I start chemotherapy I start chemotherapy the week after you get here. He said, so we're we're just trusting in the Lord to accomplish what He wants. So we got to Needham's Grove, and we were there for for one week. And uh, Jerry started chemotherapy. And uh, he was a very influential man in our community. He had been a a teacher, taught in the public school, was a coach at a little church of 200 people, our congregation, when we had his visitation, we had over 800 people that came to his visitation from our community. Powerful, influential man in his faith in our community. And uh, Jerry started chemotherapy, and I, I, re- I went over to visit him one morning, sat sat at his uh, kitchen table as we, sh- as we both ate a ham biscuit from Hardee's. And um, and he said, DJ, he said, whether, whether I live through this or whether I die, he said, I just want... I just want God to be glorified. And uh, that was a Monday. And uh, they had changed his chemotherapy medication and by, Tuesday, by Thursday, Friday, he wasn't feeling well and I took over some chicken noodle soup that we made on Friday with one of my daughters and we we're there at his house and while we were at his house, Jerry suffered a heart attack and he passed away. And, um, you know, Jerry's life was one that you would have looked at and said, oh man, it's, it's one of these nice vessels that God has just shaped and fashioned, and yet at the very end of his life, God said, I am most glorified through your suffering. In Romans chapter 8, Paul says, but I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. Whatever suffering you're going through right now, the hardship, I I, I, I know it's difficult and I know it's hard, but trust the hand of the potter. Trust the potter. He's he's shaping you and forming you into exactly what He wants you to be. Not what you want to be, but what He wants you to be. And I promise you, God as the master potter never makes mistakes and He will accomplish all that He wants in your life if you will just be willing to submit to the will of the potter. We'll I'm close with one more verse. Years ago, um, actually this was when I became the youth pastor at Northside, I had to, I had to choose a Bible verse that would become my theme verse, my, my life verse, and it was going to go on my parking spot, okay? With the Jeremiah, do you have a parking spot? Okay, I have a parking spot, and I had a sign that said, Pastor DJ Harry, and it had to have a verse underneath it. So they said, we need you to pick a verse, and you know what was interesting is my whole life I had had a couple of different verses that I had leaned on, that I had loved. And there was just one verse that I was drawn to. as is Isaiah 64, verse 8. I had no idea that the Lord was going to make me into a potter. But I love that verse, Isaiah 64, 8, which says, But now, O Lord, thou art our Father, we are the clay, and thou art potter. Behold, we all are the work of thy hands. Trust the hands of the potter. He's trying to shape you and mold you into something that he wants. We're the clay, he's the potter, and you can trust the touch of the potter's hand. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to look in your word today. Lord, I pray that as As Jeremiah went to the potter's house and he heard the voice of the Lord speaking to him, I pray that we have also heard the voice of the Lord speaking to us. I dare say that there's no one in here today that's not at some point in this process. Lord, they could be the dry clay that's off to the side saying, Lord, I don't want anything to do with you. And today God says, there's hope. Trust in me. Maybe we've we've gone too fast in the process or too slow in the process or we're not centered on the Lord And God says, there's hope. I can can take that vessel that's marred and I can make it anew again, a vessel that seems fitting for the potter to make it. Or maybe we've gotten all the way to the end of our life and God says, you know what, what you thought I was doing in your life, I'm going to change that, but trust me. And God forms us into a simple vessel to just serve Him through our suffering. Lord, no matter where we are in the wheel, I pray that we would trust you, that we would trust the hands of the master potter.
2: So she would play the song have thine own way lord before we dismiss to go to lunch the lord's speaking to your heart search me and try me master today wider than snow lord wash me using the word of god and the holy spirit as in thy presence humbly i bow can i say this this morning before we Close, if you if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you were here in the service, you heard that your master, your creator loves you, cares for you. He sent his son Jesus to die for you. You need to trust him, trust him as your savior. God has a plan and a purpose for your life, and you're precious to him. He's purchased your redemption uh, by his son on the cross. If you would trust Christ. Maybe God's working in your heart, in your life today through some kind of suffering. Maybe some area where you've gotten hardened to his will, his purpose. Right now, go to him. Confess your sins. Put Christ back at the center of your life. The song says, thou art the potter and I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will right now the Lord is speaking to your heart I'd like for it to play through one more time if you'd like to pray with someone pastoral staff a lady with a lady a man with a man we can get someone to pray with you after the service we'd love to talk to you there's nothing more important than getting your life right with the Lord what he's doing in your life being willing moldable Surrendered. Dear Heavenly Father, as we close the service, we're so thankful for your presence and that you um, choose to use us. There are times that we feel the pressure of your, your hand, your loving, caring hand, in our life. Uh, when there are issues that we have um, kept away from you, and uh, Lord, where sin has got a foothold in our life, uh, Lord, with the sermon today and the illustration from from your word, even as you took Jeremiah to that place uh, to see what you were doing in the life of Israel. And uh, Lord, would we be moldable and made into your image, the Lord Jesus Christ, as you are working a masterpiece in our life. We not live our life dear unto ourselves, but to you who has made us and um, bought us and purchased us. Bless us as uh, we have this afternoon service and the lunch to follow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.